go into this with this mentality that you are not worthy of forgiveness. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast, Granger Smith Podcast. This is episode 123. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're on Spotify or YouTube or wherever you're coming from, I'm grateful to have you. This is one of my favorite things that I do. One of the most therapeutic things I do, sit here with this microphone and this table in my podcast room and dig into your questions. You could ask me anything you want, could be about any subject, and we get super deep. If you came from listening on After Midnight, my radio show, welcome. If you came from the Smiths or Instagram or TikTok, all these places, however you found this podcast, I'm grateful for you. And if you have a question for me about any subject, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. We'll add it to the queue here and get into it. And I'm finally kind of coming up for air a little bit because I've been really, really bogged down this, this last month. Uh, filming this movie. We're filming this movie in, in Blanco, Texas for four weeks. And I, I just, I don't think I realized how much time that was going to take me to put everything into this role and to be working 10 to 12 hour days every day for a month. And then, and still trying to juggle the radio show after midnight, this podcast, the Smiths, random tour dates here and there, and, and everything else that entails being a father and a husband. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm really, I'm really coming back to life right now. And so this is the first podcast I've done since we finished the movie in 2022, where I I, I actually have um, space again. And so even though we just wrapped it and we just finished a show last night in St. Louis, Missouri, um, I'm I'm back and ready to focus. So please email me something. We're going to talk about your questions as though we're sitting around a, a campfire. It's late at night. You walk up and you say, hey, man, can I... Can I run something by you? I got a question, something that's been bothering me or something I've been wondering for a long time. And I don't have any notes on this table. And we just walk through it in a conversation. I'm not always right, but I'm going to give you my opinion uh, as, as it's happening real time in my head. That's where we are. I did pick an easy one to start with. And it's because it's the subject line, how to play, how to start playing guitar. So I thought, okay, perfect. We'll, we'll ease into it this way. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Dalton. I'm from a small town just south of Louisville, Kentucky. My question is, um, what should I do as the first steps to playing the guitar? The guitar was a graduation present from my former teacher and friend. Any advice would be great to me on how to start playing and learning a song to play. Thank you. Thank you for your time and answering my question. Dalton, shout out to Kentucky and Louisville, just south of Louisville. Um, thank you for emailing, buddy. And it's it's a good question. I started when I was 14, and I had a, a guitar that was in the closet. And it was my grandmother's guitar that she no longer played. I think she gave up on it. And, you know, what What happened to me originally was I had I was kind of interested in this little girl in junior high and, you know, puppy love. And I was 14 years old, and she you know, we're like eighth grade. And I remember overhearing her talk in the hallway in school. And she was talking about my friend, Peter. And she said, she said, Oh, Peter, he's so dreamy. He plays guitar and he sings and it's so dreamy. And I remember just thinking to myself, she didn't know that I heard her say that. And I remember thinking, I've got to up my game. (laughs) I've got to up my game. I've got to figure this out. So, um, 
Her name is Annie. I'll never forget Annie. Thank Annie, thank you for, for doing this to me. You changed my life. No, the irony is I started playing guitar to impress her just to just to know that I could. But what happened was I really fell in love with playing guitar and then girls became secondary after that, which is, it's very ironic how that happens. You learn something for the girl and then you end up loving the thing that you were wanting to impress them with and then it consumed the rest of my life. But how I did it, Dalton, was um, I pulled that guitar out of the closet and I there was a book inside there, inside the case, and it was like a basic um, how to play guitar book and it had um, fretboards lined out and it had little dots where you put your fingers, and so I'd just look at the page, and I would line my fingers up on the fretboard to where the the corresponding dots were on the page, and it would say, "Okay, this is a D chord," and I'd put my fingers there, and I would I would strum, you know, strum one time, and then I then I would just start listening to the radio, and I would listen to songs that I liked. Um, back then, it was a lot of Alan Jackson and George Strait and Merle Haggard. And I would find those songs, and, and those songs, those artists that I mentioned, I have a lot of very simple songs, like Alan Jackson. The first song I ever learned was called Dallas by Alan Jackson, and it's only three chords in the entire song. So I'd play those three chords, and it was like A, D, and E. Those three chords could get you through the whole song of Dallas. And so I would learn to strum um, just according to the way the song went. And, you know, of course, it's rough at first, and my fingers ached. Uh, but then I just did it more and more, and I was determined to do it. And, and I was passionate about doing it. And that's that's such a, a life lesson for anything. You're going you're gonna to learn something if you first are passionate about it. You're, you, you want to so bad that you want to overcome the time it takes and the, the mistakes that you're making and the pain that it was putting on my fingertips at the time. My little raw fingers were just bloody and raw and blistered and I just kept on it and I remember the the very first time I came to my parents and played a song for the first time uh, and they just couldn't believe it because they're not musical at all they couldn't believe that I was playing a, a song on the guitar and and after that just learned more and more and more and, and kept learning adding new songs and then getting with other friends that played and they would say oh you know you could you could change that finger right there and put it on that string and it makes that sound and I was like oh wow that's that's cool and, and and just more and more of that. And then it was a few years later, maybe one year later, when I started singing along with what I was playing. And that was rough too, but I, I just got really interested in singing the songs along with what I was playing. So I've, I've kind of been doing both since the very beginning. And then the next step for me was writing my own songs. And that was the progression. And then, then I started playing live and then playing those songs live. And I just really became addicted to it. Nowadays, Dalton, you could learn on on YouTube. They ha- they have so many good programs. I would not invest in a guitar teacher right now. Uh, I would stick with um, free YouTube videos or a book that you have laying around, uh, and not worry about putting a lot of money into a personal lesson. Um, the guitar is a is a big deal. The guitar itself, if you have a cheap guitar like I did where it has a, a, a really high action on it, meaning the strings are pretty pretty far distance from the actual fretboard, so it takes a lot of effort to push them down. You could switch to nylon strings. You could take them to a guitar shop, or you can go buy them yourself and put on nylon strings instead of the steel strings. And it's going to sound way different. It's going to sound like a Mexican gut string, classical guitar, but th- that's okay because it's going to be a lot easier on your fingers, and it's a lot easier to, to get around. Um, 
that, that's what I did. And I, I still kind of recommend that for people instead of, instead of going out and buying a, you know, a thousand dollar guitar, you could get a pawn shop guitar and make it easier to play that way. But as in anything in life, stick with it, stick with it. Thanks for the question, brother. Um, let's go up to, this is the first one on my list here in, in no particular order. It just popped up first and the subject line says, I'm manipulative, please help. Hey, Granger, I am Nathan Seeley. I'm 27 years old from Madison or Meadville, Pennsylvania. I emailed you the other day explaining uh, some serious marriage issues I was going through and I don't know what to do. Recently, I've come to realize that I'm a really bad manipulator. I've never realized it until now. I'm working on getting myself help, but I think it might be too late for me and my wife. She's had enough, and she's trying to go through a divorce. We have two kids. We've been together for 10 years, married for four. I don't want to lose her, and it's so hard because this last year and a half, um, she's been dealing with postpartum depression slash depression and has been in and out of the hospital. Now, she's finally getting back to her feet, and she realizes how manipulative I am, and um, she's not willing to stick around and help me through becoming a better man for us and for her and our family. What should I do to help her realize that I'm trying my hardest to get better without being like this before she leaves or finds someone else? I'm currently not living with her and she's already out the door. I never thought I would lose her. This pain is unbearable. Thanks for the advice. Your podcast has been extremely inspirational for me and has helped me get to the point where I am now. My kids are always asking me to play some yee yee music. Thanks again. Nathan, brother, Thanks for the question. Thanks for um, thanks for the courage to email and put your name in in the in the email and 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 be willing to be vulnerable enough for it to be out there in the world, you know, for for other people to hear. Because I do, I do know that you know there is there's definitely a component of you wanting to get advice on this podcast, but then th- there's another level where I'm pretty sure you know that your question is going to help others that hear it too. And, and that's a big deal to be vulnerable enough to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice my own pride and something that's so sensitive to me and, and put it out there for the case of others that might, be able, might not quite be ready to be as vulnerable publicly, and, but could be listening to this podcast and want to hear. So thank you for that. Um, man, the great, the great thing about this email, the great thing about the steps that you're taking is... is Realizing that you have a problem, and that's step number one. You know, you're, you're, you've pinpointed a, a pressure point for you of this manipulation that you're that you're using and becoming, and and it's destroying things around you. And I, I would hinge on that. I would pivot all over that 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 point that you're making, and I would tell your wife that, and I would just say, "Yeah, you know, it's funny when I when I read these questions. Sometimes, sometimes I think to myself." What you emailed me needs to be said to her. What you are vulnerable enough to disclose to me needs to be said in that way to her in in a controlled, quiet environment. I'm talking I'm talking you you get her alone away from the kids where you could actually have some one on one. Maybe it could be just sitting in the car in the driveway. It's like I need to, I need to talk to you. I have I have realized over the years that I am being, I'm manipulating you and it is destroying us and it's destroying this relationship. It's, it's disrupting our love. And you have made me realize through your leaving that 
I, I have to change because I don't want to live without you. I love you. I want to make this work. I can't bear the thought of you leaving. And at all cost, I want to get better. I want to heal. And I want you to, to know that I'm in the process of healing and I'm still going to mess up. I'm, st- I'm still a broken man, like we all are. Me, me too, brother. But, but I, I want to get on a path that's good and healthy and that's good for you, that lifts you up. I want to be the husband that you need and, and the father that, that these kids deserve. And, and I, want, I want our kids to have two parents that are married and happily in love. I want that more than I want to manipulate. I want that more than I want my job. I want that more than I want my ambitions for whatever the passions I have in life. I want this more. And look her in the eye. Don't break eye contact and tell her this. I want you. Look at your wife and tell her that. I want you. At all costs, help me. Please help me to learn. Trust me. I, and you might not believe me right off the bat. You might not hear, hear me saying this. You might think it's just empty promises. But, but I want you to know that. I want you to see by my actions from this day forward that I'm going to get better. And if I slip, I want you to call me out and go, there it is right there. There's the manipulation right there. And then at that point, right then, Nathan, you, you pull back and you go, yes, I'm, I'm so sorry. You're right. You swallow the pride. Pride is a big deal in this. Pride is a big deal with so many things in life. We are prideful beings. And so step aside from that pride. And if she calls you out and goes, there it is. And even if you think, I don't think it is, or even if you think, I think you're wrong, you swallow that pride and go, I'm sorry. That's not being a pushover. That's not being weak. That's called saving a marriage. And there's no, there's no disgrace in that as a man. There's no disgrace to lose an argument to your wife. I'll put it that way. There, there is nothing to gain by winning an argument or to being prideful and powering over a situation just so you could be right or so you could look good in your own eyes, so you could look like a man, so you could look like you're strong and, and unwavering in your position. There's nothing to gain from that. And you could see, and, and the reason you're emailing me is because you have now reached this rock bottom position. And, and sometimes it's harder to see how bad it is when you're in the marriage and things are good and she's still living there. And, and you guys are going through these bickering arguments, but you don't see it as clearly until she goes, I'm out. I'm packing up and I'm leaving. And I'm going to find somebody new that could take care of these kids. It's, it, it's unfortunate as humans that we, sometimes we need to hit that rock bottom for us to finally see the light. But that, that's, what, that's what's happening and so I would just be as honest with her as you can. And I would swallow that pride. And I would identify the problem that you see in your eyes. And don't point it back at her. Resist the urge to look at her and go, I'm going to fix this manipulation, but you need to fix this and this and this. Don't say it. Swallow it. Because guess what? Guess what? She already knows her problems. She knows it. Just like you know that manipulation is your problem, she knows she's not perfect. She knows she has issues, and you don't need to tell her that. And if you're lucky, she might bring it up herself and go, now that you say it, I want to admit some things that I'm doing that I don't like about myself too. Now you're on a path to build something again. The brick wall has fallen, and now you're building it back together. You got the pieces on the ground and, and you're, you're able to start picking them up one by one and put it back together. That's, that's what you're doing. It's not going to be easy. 
it's not going to be easy to swallow the pride. It might not even be easy to get her alone in this kind of conversation, but keep pursuing her. Don't give up on this. It's that important. Don't give up on her. Because you give up on her, you're also giving up on your kids. And they're going to see that. And your kids are going to see, Daddy fought for this. Daddy fought for mom. Daddy loved us and mom so much that he fought for us. They're going to see that. You don't even have to tell them. And as they get older, they're going to look back and remember that. Go, man, remember that time mom and dad went through that rocky space and then dad dad just pursued her and apologized and and got better. And it wasn't perfect. It never will be, but they got better. I wish you the best, brother. Thanks for emailing, Nathan. Next question comes from Hunter. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Hunter. I'm 20 years old. I'm in college in Alabama. Recently opened up to a girl about my feelings for her. I've been friends with her ever since we started going to college. And the conversation of me telling her about my feelings, she never said if she feels the same or not. I'm not sure where to go from here. Part of me feels like I should take a step back and be patient. The other part of me wants to just continue to be on this, to be the same as it was before I even brought this up at all. What are your thoughts? I appreciate your time in the podcast. Yee yee. Thanks, Hunter. Shout out to Alabama. Thanks for the question. Um, thanks for opening up like this. This is tough. Um, you know, I've said on this podcast before, you probably heard me. If you got if you have feelings for for a girl like this, then you need to you need to tell her because you can't you can't just exist in this this fairy tale land where you're friends and she, and she doesn't know how you feel and it's hurting you inside that you want to tell her but you don't really know how to take it so you got to just do it so i i believe you did the right thing but in me telling you to do that through this podcast that doesn't that doesn't guarantee her answer it doesn't it doesn't guarantee that she's going to say Wow, you like me? Wow, thanks for saying that, because I actually like you too. That's just not a guarantee. But that's why you take a risk. That's why we risk anything in life. That's why we jump. We don't always know if we're going to land the jump, but we jump it for the sake of maybe landing it. Most of the time we fall. You took a risk, and, and I think this is a fall for you. But you know what you'll do? You'll get back up. You'll build yourself up, you'll build your confidence, you'll heal the wound from the fall, and you'll be ready to jump again. And you'll keep jumping. And that's life. You keep taking the leap. And you take the leap knowing that if I fall, I'm okay, because I know that I've fallen before and I'll get up again. And it might hurt, yeah, probably will hurt. But that's what we do. Now you're, now you're stuck. You know, now you're stuck saying maybe, maybe the jump was wrong, maybe the leap was wrong. But it wasn't. You know it wasn't. Take yourself back in your mindset before you told her. Now you're back in this this la-la land where she doesn't know how you feel and, and you're wondering if she feels the same way. That's no place to be. That's no place to live. We live for the jump. We live for the leap, buddy. I'm proud of you for doing that. And I can't guarantee she's going to come around. But you're going to heal. And you're going you're gonna, to... If, if she doesn't like you, I mean, you could bring it up again if you want. <laughs> but, but the fact that she's not already saying it says a lot. Her saying nothing says a lot. So if you don't already know it by now, I'm, I'm guessing through the situation that she's, um, she doesn't reciprocate those feelings for you. 
And yeah, it hurts. It hurts because you, you, you not only have put yourself out there, you've exposed yourself and, and you've poured your heart out and you've just exposed yourself right there. And not only did you do that, but you also feel like you lost a friend because now it's weird between you two and it might never be the same. And I'm sorry, man, but that's, uh, that's a step, that's a step that you needed to take and that, that's, a, that's an injury that needed to happen. And, and now you'll heal. And I'm here to tell you the great news. The great news about you in college in Alabama at age 20. And this is a guarantee. This is a podcast guarantee. You'll find somebody else. And it'll be better. It'll be a better feeling. The feeling will even be stronger. Those butterflies that you have will be, will be even greater with somebody else. And the reason they'll be greater is because you know what it was like to fall once. And, and the, there will be more falls. But you'll learn from that. I'm sorry to tell you. I, I wish I could say, no, man, here's the trick. You know, you, you should have said this and then now she's going to love you. Time is going to heal. Um, time is your friend. Focus on school, focus on college, 20 years old, you're only going to get this chance one time. One time to be 20 in college in Alabama. Bro, you're going to look, you're going to be 50 years old looking back. You will not look back at age 50 and go, man, you know what was really tough? Being 20 in college in Alabama. (laughs) You're never going to say that. You're going to go, you know what you'll say? You'll say, just to have one day, just to have one more day of being 20 in college again. That's what you'll say. You're not going to look back and go, that was a tough year. Remember that girl I was friends with and I told her I liked her and she didn't say she liked me back? Wow, that was tough. You're not going to say that. Enjoy being 20, brother. Let's grab another. Um, This might be simple. Subject line says, calling something God, defining blasphemy. Hey, Granger, I might be overanalyzing this, but I'm trying to, de- to determine if simply using the name word God as a descriptor is blasphemous or not. When I hear God, I feel a sense of reverence and worship. Some people will say OMG, or even things like movie titles like Lord of the Rings, or calling a group the God of something because they're really good at what they do. If you were called the country music God or God of country music, how would that make you feel? I know um, when something is is blatantly blasphemous, but where is the line? I hope I'm making sense. I would love to hear your perspective. Best to you and your family. Mark from Fort Worth, Dallas, Fort Worth. What's up, Mark? Yeah, I think this is pretty easy. Um, I, I feel the same way, man. I, if, if anyone said, if anyone at a meet and greet came up and said, Granger, you are the god of country music. I would get, I mean, I would get, I would feel very weird about that. Humans are not gods. We never were meant to be a God, and we can't even pretend like it. In fact, we're not meant to be worshipped at all, at all. Look at any kind of history. Look at anybody in history that was ever worshipped. What did, what did that do to them? Destroyed them. I'm talking, I'm talking any, anyone from ancient kings to Elvis. When they get worshipped to a certain level, and it goes through their head, and they actually buy into the worship, they actually start believing that they're worthy of the worship. That's the key. They get destroyed. It kills them. 
literally killed Elvis and literally destroys the mental health of anyone that reaches a certain status of human worship and they're actually believing that it's worthy of, right? So, so yeah, yeah, I don't think this is a like a big deal or anything. I don't think it's something we call people out. I don't think I don't think you'd reply on a text and say don't ever say OMG to me again. You know, I don't I don't we don't we don't have to go there, right? Like it's become it's become just a part of conversation. But if it's if it's like a blatant you're the god of country music, I would stop them right there and say no, 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 no. Even if, even the word idol, like idol Man, Granger, you're my idol. I don't I don't like that. I say, I'm not your idol, man. I'm just a man. I'm just a fallen, broken man. Just trying to trying to get by in this world. My profession is playing music and speaking on a podcast and writing songs. And it's that's what I do for money. That's what I do for a living. That's my career. And it is no different than if I was hanging power lines for the telephone company. And that was my career, and I was really good at it. Um, w- what goes with that is no one goes up to to a guy hanging power lines and go, "Oh my God, you're my idol!" Right? No, we wouldn't say any. We wouldn't say that sentence at all. Oh my God, you're my idol. <laughs> but but that's what you would say to a, a celebrity. So we 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 should correct them. If anyone would say that, I would I would correct them. And you say, man, I'm just, a, I'm just a man. I'm just a man. I make mistakes. I am. I, I'm just a man that chose um, this career path and crafted it just like anyone else. I worked a lot of hours to get to what I'm doing now. I wasn't born with it. I wasn't just born with this. It, I worked a lot of hours just like anyone else that is in a, a has longevity in a career, and I fail all the time. It is not, I'm not worthy of your worship or your idolatry because I am, I, I am a failure in so many ways. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal, but um, it's worth, it's worth a correction. Let's take a break and be right back. Podcast is brought to you guys today by Magic Mind. Let me tell you about this awesome little magical elixir I love called Magic Mind. They're sponsoring the podcast today. Magic Mind sent me a box with their little bottles of elixir. And it's interesting because it came at a time when I was shooting this movie and we were just in the dead heat of the movie. I was skipping dinner most nights. I wasn't getting all my nutrition. And I was also having having to be completely creative constantly, memorizing lines and then using those lines in real conversations. And it was wearing on me. And it's interesting because then I had this box of Magic Mind for the podcast and I thought, this is if, if if there's ever a time in my life to try something to stimulate my brain activity, it's right now. So I, I brought the box and I brought it to the rest of the actors, and I was like, "Okay, here we go. This this stuff is called Magic Mind. It's going to stimulate your brain. Uh, it's going to help with procrastination and brain fog, etc. And it, it's gonna it's gonna be a natural substitution for caffeine. And, and you know, because I usually would go for an energy drink at this moment." But uh, Magic Mind is packed with ingredients that support memory, increase creativity, and boost focus. Their goal is to do more and stress less. That's why Magic Mind is also designed with balance in mind, incorporating adaptogenic herbs for safe and effective stress reduction, calmness, and lifted mood. So I, I pulled out the box, passed it out to the rest of the actors, 
and the stuff works and you don't get that crash like you do after coffee or energy drinks. I love it. They're recently mentioned in Forbes, uh, which calls them Silicon Valley's new morning elixir. And you guys know I love my morning routines. I love my shakes. And this is the perfect thing to add to my day that's not going to help me crash, but it keeps my brain as sharp as it needs to be, especially for creative activities. It's totally healthy. It actually tastes good. It's 100% carbon neutral, and they donate a portion of their proceeds for every bottle sold to mental health charities and services that assist impoverished and homeless communities within the United States. They're just a great company, and I'm so glad that I was able to pick this up during movie making. So if you're like me and you need to get a lot of things done in the shortest amount of time, go to magicmind.com slash Granger and use the discount code Granger to get 20% off today. Magic Mind is the best choice when it comes to getting more done in less time. So once again, I have a special offer for my listeners of this podcast from the guys at Magic Mind. All you have to do is go to www.magicmind.co slash Granger and use the discount code at checkout. Granger to get a limited 20% off your first order at Magic Mind. Okay, welcome back. Going to the next question. Subject line here is faith issues slash forgiveness issues. Hey, Granger, please keep my name anonymous. I'm 13 years old. I'm from Arkansas. When I ask for forgiveness from God, I feel like I'm forgetting to do something. And afterwards, I don't feel like I'm even forgiven at all. And I don't know why. Thanks so much. Yee yee. Okay. Um, I, I would, well, 13, thanks for emailing. Um, it's, it's, it's not a bad question. It's a legit question. And it's, it comes with a, a deeper wisdom of, of what we're going to learn from the Bible itself, that, that we are, first of all, this is, this is going to be key as I'm holding my, my coffee cup here, wretched, wretched center coffee cup here. Go into this with this mentality that you are not worthy of forgiveness. Look at it from that perspective. Instead of saying, I need to be forgiven and I'm asking, but I don't feel like it. Flip it. Flip it in your mind and, and think to yourself, I am not worthy of forgiveness, but God forgives me anyway. And that is profound. And that is deep. And it's it's overwhelming to think of it that way. You're not worthy of forgiveness. You are a wretched sinner. And yet, God is going to forgive you anyway through your, your repentance. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And so, instead of, instead of thinking, thinking to yourself, I don't feel forgiven, think to yourself instead, I shouldn't be forgiven, but I'm asking for it. And he does it anyway. And it's incredible. And it's the gospel. And through that, your job through that, besides reading the Bible in your own time, is forgiving others. Forgive others as you are forgiven. So so use that. When you start feeling like, I ask for forgiveness and I don't feel like I'm forgiven, use that as an action for yourself and think of someone in your life that maybe you're holding a grudge about, your mom, a friend from school, somebody that did something to you, maybe someone you just despise. Because, you know, the Bible says it's easy. It's easy to forgive someone you really love and they're a great person. It's easy to love someone that's a great 
loving person, but it's difficult to love someone that's your enemy, someone that you despise, someone that is treats you terribly. That's difficult. And that's what God does to you, right? To all of us, to all of humanity that, that ask for repentance. So there's this idea that you think about your life and you think about that bully in your school, right? Think about that one kid that just messes with you, that gives you the eye. You can't even get by in the hallway because he looks at you weird. And I know you're 13. I was there and I know this exists at some level in your life, right? You're in the food chain somewhere at 13. I was too. But there's that one kid. He's just a punk, man. He's a punk. And every time you walk by him, he looks at you funny. He, he wants to say something negative about you. He's giving you the stink eye all the time. He's the guy that when you're, you're walking home from school and you're like, oh, no, there he is. That guy. Forgive that guy with all of your heart. Look at him right in the eye and think to yourself, I forgive you, man. You're an image bearer of God and I forgive you. And when you start doing that, when you practice that, when you go through your mind and you find those people in your mind and you truly forgive them, not because of what they're doing right now, but what they're capable of. You forgive people. You love your enemy, not for, not for the actions they're doing to you right now, but you love them because of what they're capable of because they're image bearers of God. Right? Like, like when, when, you, when you are in a war, you're in a battle, and you're, you're looking face-to-face to the enemy, and he's shooting at you. It's not that that you love. It's, it's, it's the heart and soul and blood and sinew and bones and brain inside him that's an image bearer of God that was made in the image of God that has potential to be good one day, just like you, and you forgive them and you love them. And when you turn that into an action, it would be interesting on, on how your perspective comes back, on how you feel forgiven when you ask for forgiveness. Do that. Next question says, trust subject line. Hey, Granger, my name is Scout. Me and my mom lately have not been getting along. Mainly with my grades, I'm not the best at math. Sometimes she thinks I'm lying to her when I'm not. What is your advice on this? Thanks so much. God bless. My advice, Scout, on this is simple. Obey your mother. Mm. Obey your mother and father. There's a reason that's part of the Ten Commandments. You know what's funny? With, with, with the law, with God's law for us, we... we we continually mix up why there is a law, why, why law exists, and why the law intercedes through the entire Old Testament. We start to think as humans that it exists in some way to please God. That's why the law exists. We do, we, we obey the law because God wants us to for him. And that's just not the reason. The, the reason is God made the law for us so that we could, we could fulfill our best lives to, to worship him, so that we could have the full capacity and the full availability to worship him. And that's our instruction manual. Like the law is our instruction manual so that we could run our best. It's like if Ford, Ford truck, you know, gives you a, a new Raptor. And they say, here's the instruction manual to this Raptor. And what's very important is that you put unleaded gasoline in this Raptor. Don't put diesel in it. And you could think, 
why would they say that? Like, why does why does Ford needs me to put put a certain kind of gasoline in here? Why do they care? Because because they made it, they built it, they created it out of a factory, and when they put the parts together and they built this engine, they made a gasoline engine. So they're telling you do this if you want to run correctly. And so part of the law is obey your mother and father. And there's a reason. It's not it's not so that you could please God with obeying it. It's so that you run, your engine runs correctly so that then you could be the best you. So that you don't you don't have problems, so that you don't have to email this podcast going we're we're butting heads and I don't know why. Then you go back and you go, well, what am I doing wrong? I'm not obeying my mother. Because I could tell you, your mother wants what's best for you. That's what mothers do. That's what, they, that's what they do best. And if you're not that good at math, I wasn't either. She knows that. But she wants you to reach your full potential. So she's wanting you to engage and focus and study. And, and she's calling you out for lying if you're saying, I did study. And she's going, well, I don't see the results of the study because you're still failing this class. So are you lying to me? And maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But the bottom line is she's saying all this because she wants you to be the best that you could be to reach your full potential. For you, not for her. She wants you to be the best because, because she carried you in, in, in her womb and, and, and you are part of her. So sometimes I can come across as, as you know, butting heads and having these problems, but she, but she just wants what's best for you. So my advice is, you're asking my advice me and my mom had not been getting along, mainly with my grades. My advice is obey her. Hey, mom, what do you want me to do? I want you to study. Okay. I will. I'll study. I want you to not go with your friends on Wednesday night to the whatever that you're doing. I want you to stay here and study. And you go, okay, I will. Wow. <laughs> you don't like what? Like, that changes everything. She's going to go, wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, I'll, I'll study. I'll do it. I'll do it. Why? Because you told me to. And I know that you know what's best for me and you want what's best for me. Right? Do it. Obey her. That's my advice. Next question, subject line says, he doesn't want to get married. Hey, Granger, I'm from Sacramento, California. Recently learned about your podcast and find peace in the genuine advice that you give. I've been in a relationship for four years, and about a year ago, he proposed, but it was a kind of ultimatum situation. Since then, I've been the only one that brings up talking about the future or coming up with a wedding date. And when I do, he seems annoyed. He never wants to break up. He wonders, wonders why I'm not happy with the way things are right now. He continues investing in our current relationship, but I want more of a commitment and a husband how do I know when it's time to walk away? Okay. I'm not going to read your name because you didn't say it, so I'll call you anonymous. Okay. Um, I think this is pretty pretty cut and dry. What I would do, first of all, I want to validate your concern. I think, it's a, I think it's a legitimate concern that he proposed, but now he's completely avoiding the conversation of nailing down a date or a venue or anything that has to do with marriage here's my advice. You're probably living with him, right? 
like I wish you were here around the campfire and we could talk about this, but you're probably living with him. Move out, move out, get your own apartment. Well, that's expensive. Move in with a friend, sleep on a couch, move out, move away. I'm not telling you to break up with him. I'm not telling you to end this relationship. I'm saying move, take all of your stuff, your toothbrush and everything out. If you're in a lease together, break it. Tell him you're doing this. Tell him you love him. You want to be with him. You want to marry him. You're so excited about this engagement. But until you have a ring on your finger and you have said your vows, you are moving out. You don't want to hear this from me, do you? This is not what you were expecting me to say, is it? Move out. Move out. He is completely content with where he is right now because he is getting everything that he needs from you right now. Why would he want to get married when he has everything right now without the legal document? He still has an out. He still has a way out the back door just in case things go bad. Get out. It's nothing on him. It's nothing, it's nothing on the relationship. This is just an, a way to alter things, a way to shake things up a little bit. And that's what you have to do. You are not happy. You're uncomfortable. You e- you're emailing me about this because you are, you're, you're getting overwhelmed with this, this frustration. Otherwise, you wouldn't have emailed this to me. You wouldn't have taken the time to, sit, to shoot, fire off this email. You're, you are overwhelmed by the situation, and I don't blame you. But he has everything he needs right now, and you need to take that away. Because that's not his. That is yours. It's not his yet. Now, when you guys are married, you share everything. But right now, I'm, I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about the rent, the groceries, the dog. Everything that you share is not his to share with you right now. That's so important. You can't play house like this. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking down on you. I'm not condemning you at all. I, I, have, I have my own flaws. I have my own problems. I, I'm just, as I say a lot, I'm one beggar telling another beggar where I found bread. And I'm just showing you through my wretchedness. I'm showing you how I found my way, okay? Take it from him. Take it away from him. He is happy and content. He has no reason to move this forward. Give him a reason to move it forward. Make him lay in that bed by himself and think, I miss her. How could I fix this? I need I need her. She's across town right now. I can't stand just talking to her on the phone. I miss her being here. Make him think that. And if he doesn't, if you move out and he doesn't, goodbye. Good. Good. Now you know. That's a good thing. You shook it up and you figured out it wasn't going to work anyway. But I think it might go the other direction. Let's uh, let's break this deepness and go into something simple here. Hey, Granger, what's your favorite guitar brand? 
Do you play any other instruments other than guitar? Thank you for uh, you and your family. Yigi from North Carolina. Um, this comes from Max in Hudson, North Carolina. Shout out to North Carolina. Um, yeah, brother, I play uh, play any pretty much any kind of stringed instrument and keyboard, piano, and pedal steel guitar. And I like to play, currently I play a lot of Martin, and I also play Gibson and Takamini and Larave and uh, Fender. I have a lot. I have a lot of guitars. It's kind of a bad vice for me, but it goes with the trade. I have a lot I have a lot of old Martins and a really old Gibson and um, some brand new Martins. The, the, the new Martins, we have two of them that travel with me on uh, normal tour dates, and they're just super durable. They last for forever they last in different uh, humidities and different temperature changes and they are workhorses and most importantly they sound great through all of that kind of adversity so um, if you're going to say you got to choose one right now I would choose the Martin that I play now that that you see me post pictures on in my shows today that Martin is rock solid it's actually um, John Mayer's signature Next question, subject line, daily devotional. Hey, Granger, love listening to your podcast. Thank you for all you do and all the advice you give. I'm looking for a new daily devotional. Wondering if you had any kind of recommendations. Thanks, JB. Um, yeah, JB, I think uh, I think there's a, there's a ton of daily readers, daily devotionals that are great. Um, but if you go to if you go to like a Christian bookstore, there's a lot of them you can thumb through and find. Find the one that um, speaks to you in a way, and because they're they're tailored. I'm, I've read ones that are from the perspective of sitting in a deer blind. It's like deer blind devotional or something, you know, something like that. And then there's um, you know everything from that to Jesus calling to Billy Graham devotion daily devotionals. But I don't really want to pinpoint that and nail one down for you because I think it's much much a thousand percent more important for you to make sure that that is only supplementing your reading. It's only secondary to what you're reading each day. And that's the danger I feel of devotionals is that you start making that become your only uh, way to read the word of God is through a devotional or an, an app on your phone that pops up a Bible verse. I want to encourage you to actually read the Bible itself. And the a good way, I'm not going to say the best, but a good way to do that is through a plan, a reading plan. I personally read on one called the McShane plan, McShane Bible reading something. And it is, for that plan for me, it is twice to the New Testament, twice to the Psalms, and once to the Old Testament in one year. So I do it through an app called Logos, and I do it on my phone or my iPad, and uh, that allows me to go um, wherever I am, wherever I'm traveling, if I don't have a nightlight, if I'm on a plane, if I'm you know in bed and it's dark, I could just pop up my my iPad, and it pops up the next chapter that I need need to read, and that that, that equates to for me four chapters in the morning, and it's it's going to be something like one Old Testament, one Psalm, and two New Testaments, and it's could take me. 15 minutes or it could take me an hour depending on how deep it is or how much I'm trying to focus on it. But 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 before you start that you just say God I'm about to open your word. 
I'm about to read this. This is the living, breathing word of God, and I need it to speak to me. Open my eyes to it today, this morning. Open my eyes to this, to, to what, what it's about to speak to me. And, and soak it in and read that. And then the more you do that, the more that becomes normal and it becomes habit. And at that point, what you're doing is you're, you're reading it yourself instead of a devotional telling you, here's a verse and here's what to think about it. Instead, you're reading the word in, in its natural form and then verses are popping out to you and you go, that's interesting. That's not the most famous verse in this chapter, but this verse is interesting to me. And then from there, you can go research it. And you could look it up and, and read commentary on it while you're processing it to yourself. And it's so much more powerful than a devotional, which is someone telling you automatically what to think about it. It's important. And I think it's something, uh, something, something to consider. And you might be thinking, I do that already. And that wasn't my question. <laughs> but... Uh, I wanted to make that totally clear for anyone else that might be listening. Next question, subject line says, just a young man needing some advice. Hey, Granger, I'd like to remain anonymous if if possible. I listen to your podcast on the way home from work every morning that a new one is available, and I just love it. Look forward to a little advice from you. I'm 19 years old. I have a state job, and I'm genuinely happy where I live and where I'm at at my age, except for one thing. I've never been in a relationship, and I don't know what to do. I've talked with many girls, but we never seem to get past that stage. All my buddies seem to be happy in relationships, and I have no idea where to even start. How do I find someone that could that I could build my life with? Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Sorry for this being a bit long. Oh, thank you, Anonymous. I appreciate you so much. Um, thanks for emailing. It's a good question, and I've uh, got to validate your concern here because it could feel it could feel very lonely when you're looking around at all your friends and they're in relationships and you start thinking, what's wrong with me? What, like, what am I not doing? What's the trick here? What am I saying in, to these girls? I say things and it never gets past this stage. It must be me. Like I'm the only one messing this up. And that that's such a microcosm of, of us looking at our lives in general and everything we do and saying, well, why does he have that truck. I cannot barely afford my truck, but he's driving that one. How does he get it? Or even worse, looking at social media and going, look at them on their own vacation right now. I can't even I can't even afford to take one day off my work and they're enjoying the Bahamas. Look at them and they're beautiful and they're on the beach. There's palm trees. Must be nice. And that is such a danger because those people on the beach have problems too. The guy in the new truck has a high payment. He's got problems too. And those people in the relationships that you're talking about, your friends, have problems in their relationship that you don't know about. They're not all perfect. In fact, none of them are. And all of them are going to lead to probably a breakup. And a few of them at your age at 19, maybe, will end up in marriage. And of those, maybe the ones that get married will last and not get a divorce. So you're not looking out at happiness all around you, and you're the only one not sharing it. That's false. It's a false thought that you're having. So I want to clear that up right away. Your friends are not happier than you because they're in a relationship, because they're not telling you the whole story. Hey, look at all the questions I've been reading today, buddy. That, you know, I, I made it very clear 
that people are just, people are all struggling. The ones that are married, the ones that are engaged, the ones that are dating, they're all struggling at some level, and the ones that are single. The key to your question is finding contentment in your singleness now. Finding that place inside you that goes, you know what? I'm in a really good spot right now. I'm 19 years old. I'm in a really good place. Like I, I don't need anything else. I don't need another person to add to, to complete me. Hollywood has done a terrible job at making us think that we complete each other, right? That's like the Jerry Maguire thing, like you complete me. That's false. You don't need another human to complete you at all. You are complete now. I mean, have you checked? Have you done an x-ray? There's nothing missing. Have you got an EKG of your heart? Is there half of your heart missing? No. Have you looked at CAT scan of your brain? Is there like a chunk that's gone that someone else could come and bring and fix? No, that, that is a false word. No one is going to complete you. You are a full human. You are fully capable of of being content the way you are. And that's where you you have to find. That's that's the place you have to find is, is ultimate contentment in yourself now. And what that does for you when you when you finally find this place where you go, you know what? I'm good. Are you in a relationship, buddy? No, I'm not. Oh man. And you think, but I'm good. And what that does for you, that that put that's gonna put off this really nice fragrance of confidence in you. What is it about him? What is it about this guy? I can't put my finger on it, but there's something just so strong and confident about him that I can't put my finger on it. I'll tell you what it is. It's that contentment in their singleness that's doing that for them. Because when you're not content and you're lonely and you're desperate and you're wondering what you're doing wrong and how to start a conversation and how to extend a conversation and how to go on a date when you're worried about that and trying to analyze inside you what's going to make you better, that's putting off the opposite of confidence. That is putting off a a fragrance of unknown uh, lostness, right? And, And so I would... I would encourage you to dig on yourself. Dig deep. Find the things that you love to do. Find your buddies. Find the hobbies that you love. Find the career that you love. Find the, maybe you're in school that you love. And realize, like I said earlier, realize that you're only 19 once. Once. This is your chance to be 19 and single and content in your singleness. Because once again, you're going to look back on your deathbed, years from now, decades from now, you're going to look back and you will not look at 19 and go, that was a tough, that was a tough year. I was very lonely. No, you're going to look back and go, 19, to have one more day. As an old man, you'll say this, to have one more day to be 19. I would do anything for that time. Time is the most valuable possession we have, and we continually waste it. It's crazy. Time is the most valuable possession in our lives, and we waste it every day, every second. We throw it away. And one day you're going to look back and go, to have one more day 
of being 19? What would I do? And the answer is not, I would go and try to talk to a girl and be desperate. No. Go fishing, man. (laughs) Go fishing. Go hunting. Go with your buddies. Do something that you love to do. Laugh, smile, and, and realize that you are complete already. And that is going to put off a confidence that will be like a magnet to the girls. They will see that and go, that guy's different. Something about that guy's different. It's because you're content. We'll see you guys next Monday. Thanks for listening. Yee-yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee.